everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Me, You, Us, a well-being podcast. Today, my guest is my coworker Eric Florka, and he's here to talk about his journey through COVID-19. So, Eric, if you'll introduce yourself, we'll go ahead and get the conversation started. Yeah, so, uh, Bill, like you said, my name's Eric Florka. I'm a gas lines worker out of Royal Oak. Um, I've been with the uh, company for 22 years now. And uh, I've been through a couple different departments, uh, whether it's uh, TNS, um, gas service, meter eating, and then finally uh, found my home in, in uh, distribution. So the reason we're talking today is that I see a lot of things around hashtag mask up Michigan, and a lot of communities are having people wear masks uh, more and more. And there seems to be a little bit of controversy around that, but I think you have a unique viewpoint on masking up and what COVID can do. So if you could just kind of walk us through your story from kind of start to end, that would be uh, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to share my story and to, uh, for, to be able to get out so people can hear it uh, so they can realize how real COVID really is. Um, it started right around, uh, I wanna say April 9th was the day, um, whichever was uh, the Thursday before um, Good Friday. And I was uh, at work and I was having some issues with my stomach was really bothering me and, and uh, just wasn't breathing right. And I was in a hole and I was pushing some plastic in a hole and one of my fellow coworkers just said, hey, you know, take, take it easy. Let me uh, finish that out for you. He says, you look like you're out of breath. You seem like you're not feeling really good. Uh, you know, you okay, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you might have COVID. And I kind of just shook my head. I said, no, I said, it's my allergies and I'm fat. <laughs> and uh, so we joked about it for a little bit, but um, I decided not to work any overtime that day. And I went, I went home. And by the time I got home, I just wasn't feeling really good. And I laid down in bed and um, just had a really rough weekend. I don't remember a whole lot about the weekend. Um, I do remember, you know, my wife telling me I had a fever, you know, 103, 104. Um, so ice, a little bit of jello here and there, but, um, it went on for a week of my wife treating me. And then I went, um, made the decision. My wife made it for me that I need to go to the hospital. Uh, she kind of embarrassed me by calling my doctor and put my doctor on speakerphone and him saying, yes, Eric, you need to go to the hospital. <clears throat> so I got up and I don't remember anything other than waking up in the ICU with a machine covering my face and it felt like I was getting punched in the face by oxygen. And I tried to rip the mask off my face and I just heard somebody just let quietly tell me this is keeping you alive, leave it alone. So I kind of put my arms down wondering what was going on. I thought maybe it was in a car accident. I was going into surgery or something. I had no idea because they're ripping my clothes off. They're scrubbing me down, cleaning me. And I heard an individual say, Eric, there's a new sheriff in town. I'll take care of you. I looked down, it was a friend of mine who happened to be an RN at the hospital. Um, days go on and my oxygen levels kept dropping. So just before I woke up in the ICU, my wife had told me I was in a telemetry unit and they were just watching my heart because it was racing. Uh, the heart was racing in order to uh, <clears throat> keep the blood flowing and because it couldn't recognize that I wasn't getting the oxygen. So now the heart's pumping a little bit faster. And um, she got a call at three o'clock in the morning saying, hey, your husband's DSAT and we're taking him to ICU. So that portion of it, I don't remember. My wife just told me the story about that. 
and I ended up in the ICU. And with my desatting, it got so low to the point where I was coming, going to come off a respirator and go onto a ventilator. So Eric, Eric, just for the audience, could you explain what desat means? Absolutely. So desatting is your, your, your desaturation, your oxygen levels. So as you breathe in oxygen, your heart pumps it into, you know, the blood, your oxygen your, uh, gets absorbed into the blood and it transfers it up to all the organs. Um, with my doctors on the safe side is a 92%. Mm-hmm. Um, 88 to 90 for people with COPD um, and anything lower than that, it becomes uh, a little bit dangerous when it can you know, start leading to some brain damage, uh, uh, lung uh, um, organs not functioning properly and permanent damage eventually. Um, I, when, I, when I was desetting, my scores were dropping into the low 80s, high 70s, which basically means I'm not doing it on my own and I need to be in a ventilator. And the decision was going to be made a couple of times to put me on a ventilator. But every time they went to put me on a ventilator and the, my, they would come check me out, my, my oxygen levels were high enough to not go on a ventilator. <clears throat> but the key at the time was plasma. Um, I was on, I don't know the exact name, it was like the hydroxychloroquine or whatever, that medication I was on. And they just said that they, it's showing that it's not working for me. I need the plasma. They made the call and um, <clears throat> it was two to three weeks out for me. It wasn't going to get to me in time. So you can hear doctors talking on what they're going to do. At that point in time, I, I made my peace with God. And uh, I knew I was visiting very soon. And uh, I just uh, woke up that night because I thought I, there was a nurse leaning over. Because all hours of the night, they would lean over. They'd draw my blood. They'd check all my vitals. They'd do all this crazy stuff. And I felt pressure on my bed. And I'm like, the night nurse is the one that just put this IV in. And she knows it's on my other arm. This is what I'm thinking. I'm like, what is she doing? And then I heard her whisper to me, like, everything's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. So it woke me up and I looked over and there was nobody in the room. And uh, shortly after that, they came in and told me that somebody in the ICU that had the plasma there for them is coming off the ventilator and they're healthy and they don't need the plasma. And I happen to be a match. I got the plasma that night. Um, it was that night that I decided that I was no longer going to just believe that there was a God, but I now know there's one. Well, this is a miracle, um, right, Eric? I mean, a true miracle. I, absolutely. Um, we're talking, you know, God saved two lives that night. Mine and, and the individual that was in the ICU who was discharged three days later, I found out. They wouldn't tell me who. I kind of poked around with my friends, but they're like, I, I'm not losing my job over you. <laughs> but um, I wish I could congratulate that person, you know, but it's okay. Um, so a couple of days later, uh, it kicked in. The plasma kicked in. It was, it was fighting the COVID. Um, and it got to the point where I was at least out of the ICU. Um, and the reason why I was in the ICU, so everybody would know, you know, a lot of times, a lot of people just go into ICU in the very beginning, emergency room and stuff, is um, I couldn't move. I could barely breathe. 
um, I was gasping for air. It wasn't like I was just breathing normal and, and desetting. I was gasping for air. Um, I felt like I was choking every second. And we're talking, this went on for days. So Eric, that's a question I do have for you though. From the time you went in till the time you got out, how long were you actually in the hospital? I was in the hospital um, a total of 44 days. Um, I was in originally for a week and they felt that I was getting better. So they sent me home. And then those two days, I, uh, I had 104, 105 degree temperatures got sent back in. Oh. And my, then that's when my story that I'm telling began. Okay. It was after that first week that I was in there. Um, <clears throat> so, and during those 44 days, I couldn't see my family. I couldn't see my son, couldn't see my daughter, couldn't see my wife. Nothing. Well, that um, has to be difficult you're because you're, you're in there, you're alone, you're you can't move, you can't breathe. You don't know if you're going to, if tomorrow's going to come for you. That sounds like a very scary place to be. Yes. You're depending on perfect strangers to help you with your normal functioning of life every day. Whether it was, you know, they, I, I literally took a bath laying down in a bed, literally had two nurses have to roll me over and scrub me down. You know, so you could imagine, what using the restroom or using the bathroom would be like, you know, somebody else was taking care of you. You couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Like I, I, anytime I attempted to roll over, cause that was the big key. They wanted me on my stomach. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't, I had no strength whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> but after receiving that plasma, things started turning the corner for me and they at least moved me to a unit where I didn't have to be watched as much. Um, cause I was breathing a lot better on my own. Um, I went from a nasal cannula at 15 liters and a non rebreather over top of the nasal cannula, which was pure oxygen at 100% down to, by the time I left the ICU, I think I was just on the nasal cannula alone, right around 12 to 10 liters. <clears throat> and the nurses worked with me trying to dial it down every so often. <clears throat> and, um, they dial it down and. I'd sit up and, you know, I couldn't breathe again and I'd have to lay back down. So it, it was, it was a journey and uh, it finally got to a point where I could get up on my own and just little by little, you know, the, the heart monitor comes off. Um, you know, certain IVs come out because they're not pumping you with so much medication anymore. And those were my countdowns. Because my countdowns to go home were unrealistic at the time. Because every time my infectious disease doctor came in, he found no reason for me to stay in the hospital for another five days. So um, finally, they moved me to another room that was a negative pressure room for COVID that had a window. And my family found that window. And uh, <laughs> the nurses came running in the room to find out what was going on with me because my heart monitor was going off because my heart started racing because I finally got the chance to see my family after 30 some odd days and my heart was just flying. So they're like, Eric, no more window visits for you. <laughs> but um, yeah, I ended up uh, being one of the first people in Lapeer County to get an emergency use authorization from the FDA to take a medication called remdesivir. And after those doses, things really turned the corner and uh, I was sent home. Still COVID positive, but clinically stable to go home. So now you're home excited thinking you get to see your family, but you don't. So 
but at least I can hear him. At least I can talk to him. And um, my wife was making me dinners, but she was suiting up when she came in. And uh, the uh, physical therapist came in suited up. So people are watching people put on like spacesuits in my driveway before they come in my house. And they're suited up. They're working with me in physical therapy, trying to get me to be able to stand up by myself and do certain things. And uh, I had a nurse come in every three days just to check my vitals. And the one thing that the nurse and both the nurse and the uh, physical therapist both said that um, your lungs typically sound like you have glass in them and crackling when you're a COVID individual. And uh, mine were completely clear. I'm just couldn't breathe yet, but my lungs were clear. And uh, it was this, they told me the same thing that the doctor told me when he clinically cleared me to go home. Uh, he said, I don't know what happened. He said, but God saved your life. And I said, what? Because I didn't think doctors were allowed to say that, right? And he looked right at me, straight in my face. He said, God saved your life. I said, all I could say was, amen, you're right. Sometimes there's no medical answer for what happens, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm home. The first thing they tell me to do is uh, mask up. Whenever you go anywhere, if you leave your house, they don't want me to leave my house, but <clears throat> they're like, listen, you've been caged up for 44 days. I know you're going to want to go outside. When that time comes, he said, mask up. He said, uh, for you and others, he said, um, they don't know if I can get this again. They, uh, people who get the antibodies, um, they don't know how long the antibodies will last. And they don't know if it'll protect you from getting COVID again. So um, right around June 11th, I got my first negative test for COVID. Uh, June 20th, 18th to 20th, so in that time frame, I got another negative test for COVID. So first thing I did is reached out to my uh, contact at Consumers Energy and said, hey, <laughs> I think I'm almost ready to come back to work, you know, because now I'm caged up in my house too, right? So after that, about a week after that, we're talking the middle of end of June-ish to the middle of July, I'm clear to at least live my life as Eric Florca around my home. Not so much go to work, but I can at least go out and do things. So I take up golf. And uh, you just look at things differently. You know, I go outside and, you know, you, the golf courses, as frustrating as they are to some, they're beautiful to me, you know just looking around and seeing things and well, what was it? So know, Eric, just, what was it like to be out there golfing? Did you go golfing with your son or some, some members of your family? And what was that like for you? Um, it was, it was great to finally be able to spend some time with my son too and uh, go golfing. Um, we actually run the cart together and uh, I was a little bit Larry about it, but I did it and um, didn't have that great of a game. But there was one hole that we hit, and um, the shot wasn't too bad. It was nothing to be proud of. But um, I was walking towards the green, and I just broke down crying. And my son looked at me and just with that look like, hey, you know, your golf game's not that bad. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I just told my son, I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here. You know, I'm here for a purpose, but what is it? And that's why I'm talking to you, too. Because I want people to know, you know, maybe that's the reason, you know, this mask that I wear isn't for me, it's for you. 
and uh, and it's for you and your wife and your kids or your husband or your partner. It, it's it's for anyone who's around me. And you know, I'm gonna respect you to wear the mask, and you know, please respect me and wear one too if you're gonna be close to me. Um, it's it's serious. It's out there, and it's the reason why you know I reached out. I, I want people to know. I want people to know. Uh, there's plenty of people at Consumers Energy that have heard my name. There's rumor that some people know of me as the sick guy from Royal Oak. Well, that's that guy's Eric Florca. And now you can put the face and the name and the voice with the person who had it and the experience and know that it's real. So now you know somebody. So now you know that it's real. You know, those numbers on TV, I don't care whether they're true or not. The disease is real and the disease can be deadly. And, um, you know, I do see all those hashtag masks up and stuff and with everything going on in the world. Um, uh, forget the politics about it. Who cares who says to wear a mask up? Do it for your coworkers. Do it for your family. Well, in what, what an incredible journey. So we're kind of getting close to wrapping up, but I just kind of want to recap for the audience. I, I don't want this to be lost. Like this journey started back in April and um, we're talking yeah. middle of July uh, early August before you're back to work doing some of the things that you used to do. So as we wrap up the podcast for today, is there anything that you would like to make sure that our audience understands about you, about your journey or about COVID-19? Um, yeah, I just, I just really want everybody to know, um, you know, the company's given us everything we can to stay safe. They're doing their best. Um, and it, the safety portion of it, comes down to us and each other and looking out for each other and taking care of each other, maintaining that social distancing. If you can't maintain social distancing, wear the proper PPE in order not to get sick. Um, because along, along with my journey, um, it's not over. You know, uh, um, I, still have, I still have a long way to go. And, and people sit, you, you think about the, the journey I've already been through. And uh, the story's not over. There's still a PS to this letter, you know? And, um, you know, there's plenty of doctor's appointments and, and, and physical damage that's been done to me by COVID, uh, let alone mental damage. Um, uh, I go to work scared sometimes still. Um, but my, the, my fellow coworkers, uh, they know. They know how I feel and they know who I am and they, they, they make sure they keep their distance. Uh, uh, you know, I talked to somebody on the way home today before I came and spoke with you and uh, they, they told me, you know, they're, they're going to respect my space. And... Um, and they're, they're thankful that I share my story with them on the job site so they know this is real. And I, and I remind them as, as much as possible. And I just really want, if, I, if anybody can take something out of my story and uh, the things that I've shared with you, what I'd really like somebody to do, um, Monday morning, Friday after work, whatever, just take a stop real quick before you walk in the door. And just take a look at something that you've never noticed before, because I almost didn't have the opportunity to do that again. We just take so much for granted, you know, you know, just, just getting out of your truck and walking to your front door was a journey for me a couple of months ago. Thank you so much, Eric, for sharing your story with us. And we'll be checking back in with you to see how you're doing on your journey. And thanks to the audience for tuning into this special edition of me, you, us. 
And please make sure you check us out every Wellbeing Wednesday as we walk through our journey to personal well-being. And remember, mask up for Michigan.